Welcome to Licking Non-Vanilla, a sex-positive hour of talk about kink, sexual mores, and writing dirty words. So grab a cup of cocoa, your favorite easy chair, and the lube as we go sailing into the dark, sweet waters of all things naughty on Licking Non-Vanilla with your hosts, Ralph Greco Jr. and M. Christian. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another amazing and exciting edition of <laughs> Licking Non-Vanilla. I'm Ralph Greco Jr. here somewhere in the wilds of New Jersey. And across the aisle from me is my intrepid <laughs> partner. And his name is... Chris, otherwise known as M. Christian, from the equally wilds of Eugene, Oregon. <laughs> and we may be across the country from each other, but we're not across our hearts. We're right, right <laughs> next to each other that way. Absolutely. Um, you know, and we're just going to give you another another version episode of what we try to do here, right? Exactly. Exactly. All right, all right. And uh, trying to keep it uh, – I mean, we, we – I guess today we're gonna we're gonna get into the sex writing biz a little bit as we we determined mm-hmm. before we just came on the air and I, and you know I always think about with this podcast trying to keep it as um, as interesting to a wide variety of people as possible, mm-hmm. but we also do come from a certain place and I guess that's you know that's the writing place so that's something mm-hmm. we are comfortable talking about and relating it to the world in general if we can right wouldn't you agree absolutely. I completely agree. I mean, it's one of those things that's like, you know, this isn't isn't for everybody, but at the same time, a lot of it really kind of, you know, can be because it's, it's you know, there's a lot of things people don't understand about being a writer versus what the reality is and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And we all know that, you know, the uh, like you just said, that's a good point. The reality of it is is sometimes drastically different than the people's idea of it, you know, the uh, mm-hmm. almost a romanticized version of what it is, you know. Mm-hmm. We we both know it's not always romantic at all times, you know. <laughs> um, but we've been over this before. We've been over our history a little bit, how we got into it and stuff. But mm-hmm. you know, I always wonder about this because I know about myself. When you when you began writing way back, you know, before electricity was invented, uh, just like me, mm-hmm. were, what kind of stuff were you writing initially? Do you think? Well, I mean, when I I kind of like decided to be a writer in high school, and then okay. you know, it was kind of like a, like a light bulb thing went off. I mean. You know, it's like I wasn't one of those people who had tried. I mean, I always been creative, and mm-hmm. for some reason, it's like I'm going to be a writer, and failed miserably for like ten years. Um, mm-hmm. But mostly, I was kind of writing, kind of like, I guess you could call it kind of avant-garde allegorical science fiction. I mean, I probably wrote like fifty, sixty stories, you know, mm-hmm. over like eight or ten years, and I still have some of them. They're in a box in the closet. Um, but you know, it's kind of one of those things. It's like you know, I think I was probably you know under the impression. Of you know how this actually operates, and so I was really too, way too narrowly focused on only one genre, as opposed to like you know trying other things. Because that was the one genre you were you were seriously into. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Well, it makes sense. I mean, I think I think most people. Well, you know, I mean, as we grow older, I can certainly speak for myself. As I grow older, my interests in a whole bunch of stuff. Reading a whole bunch of stuff, you know, uh, it's increased, you know, it's certainly opened up over the years. But when I was younger, mm-hmm. I was a I was a stone cold sci fi guy, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and I think you're right. I think my first foray into trying stuff was probably fantasy or science fiction because that's what I was mm-hmm. that was in, you know, um, exactly. Yeah. Did, did your did either of your folks or your your brother? Did any I know you have a brother. Did anybody write other than you? No. No, my, my dad was an engineer, and my okay. mother was an interior decorator, which is where I think I got the creative side of things. Right. Uh, my brother was much more of a visual artist than writing. I was the only one who really kind of caught the writing bug. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's like it was it was it was it was a unique experience because my parents weren't exactly all that supportive. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just kind of like you know kind of like did this on my own, and you know not not to like you know say oh things would have been better if, but you yeah. know I think I probably would have made a little bit more progress if I you know, had like realized a bunch of things about being a writer, but you know, you learn and you grow from there. What about your folks and, and your family? Well, 
my dad, my dad is a great um, audience. He's a great fan of creative stuff. Like he loved music, mm-hmm. and he he's. But ironically, he's not a big reader. In fact, I don't know if I, I think my my father's read a handful of books in his life. But he's he's smart in 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 you know in a, in a multitude of ways, and mm-hmm. uh, but like I said, he really does appreciate the arts. My mother is the reader. She's a voracious mm-hmm. reader, and I think. I learned that early on. I mean, I remember, um, you know, I can distinctly remember Dr. Seuss books coming to the house when I was a kid. Mm. And, you know, and I, and I have those books still and I open them up and they give me such a rush Aww. of, it's almost like that, you know, um, the, the, the Proust story, you know, like with the mandolin, mm-hmm. you know, like you, you, mm-hmm. you, it just sends me back immediately. So my connection to, to books, uh, and literature go, goes way back. And I think it, my mother's influence was, like I said, she was a big reader. So, but neither of That's them, cool. write. It's wonderful. but neither of them write. And my sister doesn't write. Um, well she does write, but I mean, not, you know, not, not professionally. And, uh, and she's a good reader as well. So, Reading was very valued in the, in the family, you know, very, very mm-hmm. a big thing. And then I just early on just gravitated towards like, I'm, I'm wondering about you too in school. Did you find you were doing much better in the English courses than you ever did in the math courses? You know, it's, it's weird. It's like, um, you know, I don't think teachers knew what to do with me because right. I was such a, you know, a, such a you know determined little twit around, right. you know, writing. It's like, yeah. you know, when you have like, you know, teachers who are like in high school or even early college who just, you know, most writing classes are kind of like easy A kind of things. Yeah. yeah. And I just kind of sashayed in there and said, I'm going to write like a story, of, you know, a story a week until I get published. They just didn't know what to do with me. But you mm. know, I had a couple of good teachers. I had, you know, a couple of bad teachers. Right. Um, but, you know, by and large, it's kind of like it, it really is kind of, you know, you read books and you, you know, read interviews, you know, and so forth. And you get a little bit of it, but a lot of it really is kind of crash course kind of stuff. But in school, did you find you gravitated more towards the English courses? You know, just in general, yeah. like you had more yeah. of an aptitude towards that. Yeah, I mean, I'm. It's funny. It's like I've always considered myself kind of self-taught in English because you know I have dyslexia, so it's hard to you know hard to process some of this right. stuff. Um, so you know, it's like you know, by I kind of. It's funny. It's like I did art and I did a lot of like design work and such, but mm-hmm. yeah, mostly it was creative writing rather than like actually English itself. Mm-hmm. Right, but um, right. yeah, it was, it's kind of interesting how that goes. Yeah, it is. I mean, I think that I remember early on in high school, too, I was reading I was reading stuff that was a little above where I was, you know, grade wise mm-hmm. because I was a, a, a good reader. And I remember reading. Have you ever read Spoon River Anthology? Which is it's so. a, Spoon River Anthology is a. It's kind of a a good. Uh, I think it's Edgar Lee Masters, and it's it's a it's a book of poems um it's kind of like an hour town kind of thing the uh, the people in mm-hmm. the in the each person has its, their own poem of their life but cool. it's, what, what's interesting about spoon river anthology is all the people are dead they're all in the cemetery so they're all talking mm-hmm. about their lives right and i and i remember going into my junior high, junior creative writing course with a really good teacher by you know by high school if you're starting to split up into those courses usually you're getting teachers that are into those courses you know mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. um i remember walking into class and this was after like we had like some sort of you know like we got you they had like those book drives where you'd buy a couple books you mm-hmm. know and then come in anyway so i i had that i think i don't know what i have anyway i had spoon river anthology i'm walking around with and my teacher i remember I remember my teacher saying to me, you're reading, you're reading Spoon River Anthology? And I said, yeah. <laughs> and he was kind of like impressed that like it was a little a little bit, you know, a little bit off the pale other than like Moby mm-hmm. Dick, which we were reading at that point. Right. And he was surprised that I was reading that. And I got lucky in senior year. They had a science fiction reading course in, in high school. Oh, cool. So we did all the, you know, the great science, which were books I had read already, 451 and Animal, you know, all the stuff we'd read about it, you know, by that point, if and, you know, 1984, you know, all the stuff that you and I probably read years <laughs> ago. But that was cool because like, I already had a leg up on all those other kids who were just getting introduced to that stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. But those books were very important to me. I remember um, – you know, the Lord of the Rings being really, really important, like super important. I don't know if you got, did you get into Lord of the Rings when, when it was? No, you know, no, it's, it's, it's no, I never, no, fantasy never worked for me. I did read some like, uh, yeah. once in future King, um, okay. and a bunch of other ones, but mostly it was pretty much science fiction, a little bit, quite a bit of horror, especially okay. when it, 
blew up in the 80s. I read a ton of that. Um, right. Mostly it was science fiction, uh, some mysteries as well. Um, okay. Even a smattering of westerns and other little things, but you know, fantasy's never been well my big thing. So it's like okay. it's interesting to see how how we divert from that. But that's really a great story. I mean, it's like you're so lucky to have that you know, that kind of experience. And you're right. It's like I think it's always kind of a, a sign of writers that they are often interested in books or such that are like you know above their pay grade, so to speak, when yeah, they're in yeah, school. Yeah. Um, and you know, one thing that's also interesting I'm pointing out is that you know I'm pretty much. Just a writer. I mean, it's like I dabble in like certain other kinds of art, but it's purely just fun. Right. But you're also an accomplished musician and a playwright. I think that's really interesting how you can like take like different creative approaches to things. Well, you know, we said we've talked about this before, actually. And somebody was talking about this the other day to me. Yeah, to me, it's all writing. You know, it's mm -hmm. all whether it's the songwriting or whether it's and you know whether whatever it is, it's just all it's all. Right. So when people say, well, what are you? What you do you do? I always say, first and foremost, I'm a writer because that's how I look mm -hmm. at it, you know. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. My mother's also a musician. My mother plays piano and she has a good oh, she has a very good voice. So I think that helped, you know, that that certainly helped um, cultivate my musical abilities. But um, I just most people that I know, certainly the one thing that comes true all the time, regardless of your uh, your background or anything, is if you're a writer, you're usually a reader. And we've said this, mm -hmm, that, mm -hmm. you know, what, no matter what, what, if you're reading genre fiction or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But most times we have found, even in the classes we teach, right, when people say to us, well, how do you become a writer? You know, what do you do? And, and we, we're mm -hmm. always flipping it. We're not really flipping, but our answer is always as well. You got to start writing. Other than that, I don't know what else to tell you. But <laughs> exactly. That's first and foremost. <laughs> but the other thing we always tell people, too, you you got to you got to make sure you read. You got to you got to seek out that, too. Because exactly. I, I don't know anybody who's a writer writer who doesn't read i really i don't know i guess there are some cases but i would think they are few and far between cool i mean that's exactly it i mean it really is i mean it's like you need to write a lot and you need to read a lot yeah i think yeah. that's the the two and it's like you don't necessarily need to read also in the genre you're trying to write in though it's a really good idea yeah um, right. that's true, you true. know can just just read anyway because i mean that's how you learn as a writer it's like you you learned by like you read a, an author you like or a book you read, you you pretend enjoyed, and you think, I want to try and do that, or you learn how they do it. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of like copy, not plagiarize, but just kind of like try and do what they do. It's like mm -hmm. I remember an interview with some writer, and they said, you know, the interviewer said, you know, you have a very unique style, and the author responded, well, it's not that unique because, you know, my descriptions come from Dickens, my dialogue comes from Raymond Chandler, or something like this, and it's yeah. like, and that's really kind of the way it goes. You just kind of like, you learn by studying and experience, and you kind of assemble your own style out of it. Yeah, no, I think that's true. I think, and 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 yeah, and it becomes like a, becomes like a Frankenstein process, you know, <laughs> and and then you get better at something, and you and you kind of figure, and and you and it takes time to find your own voice, even. And oh I think, yeah, I think, and I think we're always working towards that anyway to to fine tuning mm -hmm. it, you know. Um, Absolutely, and sometimes it takes like a couple a couple different styles. Like, you know, I think if if you become to appreciate like certain writers. You know, it's like you find that, like, I'm going to do this story in this voice or that voice or there's certain kinds of different voices you can experiment with because that's the other thing. You know what you're good at until you try it and either mm -hmm. fail or succeed. Right, right. And, you know, and also we've both been in this position where um, a genre or whatever doesn't work for us for a while and we can come back to mm -hmm. it. And sometimes uh, your sensibilities change or your talents, your skills, mm -hmm. you know, get you 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 get better at certain things, and uh, you hone your skills, and you and then you can again try. Because I don't, I could never have done playwriting until I did it. I think you know, mm -hmm. I wasn't ready for it. I just didn't. I didn't know enough. Uh, not even the mechanics of it of how to you know lay out a play on a page. Um, just the sensibility of it. You know, it took a certain. Same with I find, and I don't know if you you find this. Short story writing is 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 probably what we do most of. Mm -hmm. um, but I find that to be quite challenging, you know, mm -hmm. short story, right? Because anybody will tell you it's, it's, you know, you got to pack a lot of into a little, a little space, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And you, I, I want to throw a compliment actually, not now you don't deserve more, but you know, because <laughs> I have, I've, I've, I've dabbled in 
screen and playwriting. And I have to say, that's not easy. I don't, I don't know how you do it. I mean, one of these days I'm going to tie you to a chair and make you tell me because it's like, it's that one of those things I just right, simply normal. have a hard time dealing with. Yeah. Well, I was just thinking that tie me to a chair. It's a normal Friday night for you and me. But anyway. Exactly. It's uh, normal Friday night. Um, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. You know, again, I think it was one of those things that, because, and we, people say this to us all the time too. How do you guys do this? You know, like how mm -hmm. do you, especially now we, we talk about the erotica too, which is a very specific form of writing. People mm -hmm. find that that's almost like alchemy to people. Like how do you not only mm -hmm. how do you write, but how do you take all that, all that naughty, sexy stuff that's in your head and make it, put it on mm -hmm. a page. And not only that, make it hot for somebody else, you know? And, mm -hmm. and I think it's just a matter of doing right. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, everybody has their own motivations. I mean, sometimes it's, you like the process. Sometimes it's, you know, you, you like getting published. Sometimes it's like, I want to get paid. Right, um, thank you. So it's like everybody has some kind of different motivations. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like you got to sort of disco discover what your drive is. And, you know, it can be very, it can be, it can be very daunting because, you know, especially when you're first starting out, I mean, you know, getting paid and that whole other side of things isn't really there. So you sort of need to find what works for you. But, Again, it's like as long as you write, that's all that matters. I mean, that's why it's like, you know, when you're first starting out, you know, fan fiction or just whatever you want to do is a great idea because just to keep you going. Yeah, and, we, and we've said this more than once. So we said it on another show when we said this all the time. Just do it. Like, don't worry about mm -hmm. what it is. It is. It's going to be in the form of it. And, you know, is this going to be a novel? Is this going to be a short story? You know, just, just get it out of you first and foremost. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, 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 uh, from a that if you get to a business point of view like we are at where we are writing is what brings in the cash um mm -hmm. and sometimes not enough of it but <laughs> when, when that happens it becomes a matter of like well then you're gonna have to think about the mechanics of the working the work about it not just the actual mm -hmm. just doing the work but how to market and how to get the work and what you should do and all that, you know all that stuff that goes into anybody's work i mean like if you were you made pizzas and you were like and i want to open a pizzeria well it's not just making the pizzas right not just a formula mm -hmm. a menu you know the and all that laying out a menu and getting together what you do best it would also be well how am i going to make this pizzeria profitable so you and i mm -hmm. being professional writers and any professional writers out there you have to think about okay how do i make this profitable so that's exactly. the other, that's the other, and, and that mm -hmm. I believe, and we, we were just talking about ideas for this show today. And that's the other side of the coin that I believe we, the mystique of it goes away then. Cause you're mm -hmm. like, okay, now I got to sit down and really think about this. And, mm -hmm. and that's when we, 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 I don't know if we bristle against, but we definitely have a, a different viewpoint where we go, you know, this is where it becomes a job now. And, mm -hmm. and you have mm -hmm. to approach it that way. And, uh, and that's the, talk about something that's the same across the board for everybody. If, if you're going to try to mm -hmm. pursue a job in any kind of way, whether it's, it's your life or your career. And I am, I am rambling way too much here, but whether it becomes, <laughs> however it becomes, whatever it becomes in your life and how, however it gets there or you get there, you mm -hmm. have to consider that, that part of it. And I exactly. think, and that's where, and that's where it becomes the same across the board to no matter what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And you're completely correct. It's like, you know, when you're first starting out and you're just writing, just write. That doesn't matter. Don't don't worry about anything. Just write. And that could take anything from a year to a long time. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, it's a big it's a big decision to put your work out there. And I think too often that there's this kind of push when people talk about being a writer, they automatically and it's natural, you have a fantasy and the media definitely, you know, reinforces that of to like automatically go for like being the published writer and so forth. But there's a big step there. And, you know, when you're first starting out, you're going to, your story is going to suck. That's the way it works. I mm -hmm. mean, it's like every first story sucks and every second story sucks and every third story sucks. And then the next one gets a little better and so forth. So, you know, it's kind of more important, I think, to like get comfortable in your writer's skin, you know, before actually going out there. But you know, when you go out there, it is a job. I mean, you need yeah. you know, to do it, do it well. I think you need to do it really have a discipline about it and not just in writing, but just taking it seriously. I mean, if there's a lot to juggle and a lot to manage and, 
you know, it's one of the things that's like, I don't know about you. Um, I'm really curious to hear what you say about this. But, you know, I always kind of like you mentioned bristle. I bristle when people when writers talk about a career. See, mm-hmm. it's like when you're in a, a normal job, you have a career. You can say, okay, I'm going to be the sales top salesperson, then the regional manager, and then, you know, so forth. You can't do that when you're a writer because writing just sort of often happens. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't decide I'm going to be a best-selling author. It's that's right. out of your control. No, you can't. You know, I, oh, you, what, what are you talking about? I, I always tell you could. can't do it. Can't do it. <laughs> so it's like, you know, I just think that it's better to say, you know, writers have lives that happen to them, you know, it's yeah, like yeah. And, to yeah, and career. Then, yeah, right. No, I, I agree. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> uh, I don't. First of all, let's let's just give a, um, a shout out to where we are and who we are. This is Ralph Greco Jr. That's uh, M. Christian over there. And you're listening to Licking Non-Vanilla. <laughs> so I just want to let you know this is Licking Non-Vanilla podcast. And we're talking today about we're delving deep into the writer life and everything Chris has just said, you know, I mean, we we there is there is a, a di- not a difference but there is a, a a hierarchy to being you know you know starting the writing and doing the writing and then doing mm-hmm. it as as your business um mm-hmm. and then you know the next step would be and this is where we become specific here is becoming is doing the kind of well con- conducting and engaging in genre writing and mm-hmm. then that's that's a that's another step and then the genre of erotica, which is, mm-hmm. you know, good and bad filled with pitfalls and high points <laughs> like anything else and like any, you know, any business that you get into. But um, mm-hmm. we and I think Chris is I think Chris will agree that we kind of fell into that as well. That just happened. Mm-hmm. It happened. You were talking about writers live their life and it happens. And I think that's what happened. Mm-hmm. And um, we're not especially unusual perverts i mean you know we can we can be we can be paid i mean we will get there and and mm-hmm. i don't i don't think particularly i mean if you met chris and i you would think we were pretty normal blokes um mm-hmm. as far as just going through the world and liking the things we like and interacting with people and all that kind of stuff so i don't think that you would find erotica writers to be on the spectrum of any kind of way i mean yes some are right mm-hmm. or to be overtly perverse and mm-hmm. some are but i think generally we're just you know we're like most other people in that we write a certain kind of stuff and mm-hmm. that may set us apart yep completely agree i completely agree i mean it's like again it has to do with how you approach it i mean it's funny but it's like you know you're right it's like you know when you look at a lot of erotica writers they just like look, look like everybody else i do think there is kind of like a subdivision where people they they write specifically erotica as a form of activism um which is you know that's not that's not you know it's not good or bad it's just simply that's kind of like the different approach to it and you and i like consider ourselves kind of like you know noble hacks that Mm -hmm. you know it's not so much an activism though we do try and be as inclusive and respectful as possible and, and you know and and you know just really do honor to what we're writing about but it's 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 basically a, a venue. It's it's something to do, um, yeah. and you know. So it's like there is a kind of different approach to things. I'm not too sure whether there's any benefit or drawback to either one. They're, just, they're both just different. It's just, yeah, I mean, we know people that do both, and we know people that mm-hmm. uh, have taken their writing to a level where they don't write really anymore as much as they lecture, or they mm-hmm. and they you know they do. It, classes or whatever it happens to be chris mm-hmm. and i kind of dip our toe into all of it but i i think he would agree that it is the writing first and foremost absolutely um, but there are people that have you know that wrote for a long time and don't anymore because they it led them into another arena you know whether that's mm-hmm. giving live classes or they mm-hmm. own a shop or i mean or they're a publisher there's a million things that happen you know mm-hmm. um but with with erotica uh, i think it's it's it has it's definitely in some instances it's the it's the red-headed stepchild you know mm-hmm. um because people have a certain view of it because it's salacious um, mm-hmm. but you and I both know, we know plenty of people in, who are either in the porn business because they're actors or actresses, or mm-hmm. they're in the porn business because they, they run, run a website or they're in the porn business because they, they, they film content. Um, mm-hmm. and they are all just everyday people. They just do a job. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and I think people are, are under under the impression that wow, anything that that gets laced with sex in some way must be really beyond the pale and unusual. Mm-hmm. And you and I say all the time, it's, it's it's kind of what everybody's into and does in their own kind of way. We just happen to write about it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You're completely correct. It's like again, it has to do with how they approach it, and you know, for them, what it is. I mean, it's funny because it's like I'm not too sure about you, Rafi, but it's like. You know, it's like when people talk about, like we mentioned before, people who are like, this is a calling and this is something important they do is, is sort, of, sort of a form of activism. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, I can sort of, I can relate that really well because for me, writing is the turn on. It's not to say particularly, you know, about sex. So I do write, I enjoy writing about sex. It's because I enjoy writing. So for me, the turn on is someone calling me up or sending me an email saying, hey, can you do, tw- you know, 2,500 words of gay cowboy stories or something mm-hmm. like this. And my first reaction is, I get to write. I get to be paid for it. I mean, it's right. like, that's the turn on. I mean, it just Yeah, like... no, first and foremost. Absolutely first and foremost. I think that mm-hmm. when, when I'm I'm happiest, I think when I'm in the middle of doing that, when I'm either mm-hmm. revising or whatever it is, but, I, but I'm happiest mm-hmm. then because I'm doing the work, you mm-hmm. know? And I think it's true. Yeah, for most people who like to write, who who that's their thing, I would say, and mm-hmm. I think that's true of anybody. Like people who like who are uh, say landscapers, the the most important thing for them is the actual get their hands in the dirt, right? That's when mm-hmm. they're happiest. Mm-hmm. I mean, the end result is great to look at a beautifully outfitted garden, you know, or to look at a short story that you know you 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 accomplish something. But the actual work itself, no matter what work you do, is what what's most important. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. But the state of erotica, though, and we talked about this before, that's the that's kind of the problem for us now, because like Chris just mm-hmm. said, you know, to, to get an assignment is, is a wonderful thing. And Chris and I, I would say both of us lately have been paid more for our nonfiction than anything else. Wouldn't you say, Correct. Chris? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's like. I mean, the whole anthology world back in the 90s and 2000s is kind of pretty much collapsed. It's still around. Right. Um, and you can you can find call for submissions for various things. Um, and for a while there, it was also like, you know, uh, you know, websites or so forth. And I've seen mm-hmm. a couple that are, you know, looking for erotic content. But for the most part, it's really the nonfiction that does it. Because for one thing, it's usually more stable. Um, because, you know, it's usually when you write for a certain place, you can send them like several pitches and then they'll pick one or they'll give you an assignment. Yeah. And then it usually kind of snowballs from there because you establish a relationship with them. And after a certain amount of time, you can sort of get in this kind of rhythm where, you know, article goes up on the website, you get paid, you send another pitch and so forth. You can't mm-hmm. do that with stories. Stories are kind of like, you know, they, they exist and they're popped out there and then, you just that kind of relationship might move, but it doesn't have that same kind of rhythm. And frankly, nonfiction pays better. I mean, yeah. short stories pay anything five to maybe fifty or more. Um, articles can run anything from fifty to two hundred dollars, depending even more, you know, and for the same amount of work. I mean, you know, so yeah, you know, nonfiction kind of and it's 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 not better or worse, it's just a different mindset, you know, to how to do it. Because when you're writing fiction, of course, you have to be more, you know, precise you can't just make shit up <laughs> right, right, um, right you know and there's a certain rules how to do it and every side's different when you write fiction of course it's pretty much fair game but that also makes it a problem because you know if your story doesn't have no work for someone it gets rejected and you have no idea why i mean it could be anything but yeah it's kind of apples and oranges but yeah nonfiction really is kind of like the way to go yeah and that's how we probably i mean you know i i got lucky at a couple instances i was writing a for a sex toy shop that I don't believe they're in business anymore. But it's about actually around the time you and I met, I got this gig and um, they wanted short pieces of fiction. I'm talking like maybe a page, if not, Mm -hmm. if maybe two. And what they wanted was their products to be name dropped in the fiction. Mm-hmm. So it was like, you know, you'd have a story about a, in a Pyrex. They wanted to push the Pyrex dildo this week. So the story would be about a couple using that piece mm-hmm. of equipment, you know, and uh, and that's what they wanted. So I, I, in that instance, I got to do kind of both serve two masters. You know, I was I was writing about a product specifically, but I was writing about it within the context of fiction, which mm-hmm. was pretty interesting. I got to say it was it was a lot of fun to do it that way. And uh and, but 
usually you don't get that thing happening. Usually it's one or the other. And the fiction, unfortunately, is a drying up market. Mm-hmm. You know, like Chris just said about anthos and what he means by that is anthologies, which means yes, it's, a, thank you. it's a book that someone is publishing about usually centered around a certain theme. When you say, Chris, mm-hmm. yes, exactly. Yes. So they're looking for um, erotica that takes place on Mars or mm-hmm. uh, robot spanking stories. As we st- we, we got to start, we got to write a book <laughs> about that. We talk about it all the time. Um and they uh, publisher will put out a call for that, and you know you send in the story, and usually get paid a minimum a minimum fee. You don't mm-hmm. usually make a residual off the book when it's sold, do you, Chris? Yeah, no, not really. I mean, very not very often. I mean, every blue moon there'll be something where you get a share of the royalties or something similar. But yeah. by and large, it's usually a flat rate, and it's usually a flat amount, like twenty five, fifty, seventy five bucks, or it's based on the number of words. So right. if it's right. like you know, a penny a word versus like eight cents a word, which is a really high rate. Um, You know, so, you know, and they're also sometimes very, like you mentioned before, for anthologies are very specific. Mm -hmm. So you can't just simply write about Mars if if the book's designed for a queer audience or, you know, a not queer audience, or if it's not BDSM or it is BDSM. So it's sometimes going to be really, really kind of laser specific. Mm -hmm. And there's usually a deadline, too, for submissions. And it'll be, any you know, they'll send us, like, you know, no submissions after this point or something similar. And um, just again, you're at Licking Non-Vanilla, just so you know, the podcast with (laughs) M. Christian or Chris. Chris, It was Chris to his friends, so you have to call him M. Christian. And me, (laughs) Al Greco Jr. Um, But, you know, it's funny, too, Chris. And we had Chris and I, I mean, we get on the phone probably a couple times a week beyond just this Mm -hmm. podcast. And... I, I guess we sound like a bunch of old hens, but the thing we talk about all the time is where <laughs> to publish. And Chris and I, you know, mm-hmm. I'll come across something, I'll, I'll find a link and a call, and I'll send it to Chris and vice versa. But we're mm-hmm. constantly talking about the fact that um, there are fewer and fewer places to get fiction published or erotica mm-hmm. published in general. But mm-hmm. And we're keeping our eyes out all the time, and we do cold calling and all that kind of stuff. But um there's very there's fewer and fewer places now and um but which i find interesting because with the advent of something like 50 shades of gray where that exploded Mm -hmm. um you know and everybody and their mother was reading that book and mainly it was mothers reading the book but you know (laughs) i i would think that even just from a purely commercial standpoint you'd say well you know what I want to open an, uh, an erotic publishing house because this is really popular now. But we didn't mm-hmm. see that happen. Mm-hmm. So, w- do you think we hit a critical mass? Is that what what happened? What, yeah, why are we I not? Mean, you know, I was wondering why we don't see it as much. I think that's published. an excellent way of thinking about it. I really do. I think it's an excellent way of thinking about it. In fact, um, you know, one of our mutual friends and publishers was talking to me about this recently, and they said that, you know, that what happened was when the first advent of ebook readers, Kindle and so forth, there was this explosion of erotica. Mm-hmm. And because it was one of the hottest things, because <clears throat> excuse me, uh, you could read it in private. Right. So you could be Makes on the sense. train and reading a smut book and no one would know <laughs> right, versus right. having a copy of Love's Torrid, you know, intercourse on your lap. That's yeah. not going to fly. Um, right. So it exploded. I mean, you know, it's like books were being published left and right, and then Fifty Shades kicked that off even more. But I yeah. think what happened is it oversaturated the market. Okay. So, you know, it's like so many things were being published and so many books were being released that it kind of like created this you know, a hurricane of erotica, which means that no one was actually making money. And the problem with that then is that a lot of publishing companies went out of business. And we know for without a them, there's yeah. no anthologies. And without anthologies, there's not a huge market for short stories. And some of the websites hung on there. But, you know, when you're looking for arousal, you know, websites are, you know, you don't go to websites to read. Um, but, yeah, that's the thing. It's like, I mean, now mostly short stories are with certain websites, a few anthologies. But also mostly I think it's being done to, to assemble into personal collections or offered as one-shot stories on places like, you know, Kindle and so forth. So you'll see, like, if you go to Amazon, you'll type in erotica. You'll see sometimes, like, people are selling stories for, like, a dollar or something yeah, similar. Oh, yeah, um, I, yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I mean, I think that – I mean, I know a couple of places that will accept short story collections. But I find, mm-hmm. unless – you know, unless you if we we have a good relationship with the publisher, that's one thing. But um, mm-hmm. at the level I'm at, 
my name doesn't have that much of a, of a value in a certain way. So a new short story collection from Ralph Greco Jr. doesn't mean as much as if I could take that short story collection from Ralph Greco Jr. and theme it in some way. So all the stories are themed yes. in some way. So they're yes. all about that or they're all about this, you know. Yes. And I think I find more – I'm getting published more – my short story collections that I have out there usually have some sort of a theme to them. Mm-hmm. That's an excellent idea. That's, that's really the way to go. Yeah, completely yeah. agree. I mean, it's like even if you're, I mean, even someone who's quote unquote a big writer, you know, still you want to keep it on a theme. I mean, it could be anything. So if anybody's out there thinking about doing this, it's a good idea to keep writing. And if you want to try and do this, always try and pick a theme. And it could be science fiction. It could be westerns. It could be yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, just as long as they kind of fit into a loose thematic category. And it could also just be like. You know, it could be like science fiction. It could be, you know, it could be horror or something like mm-hmm. that. But just jumping around like crazy, that's going to drive readers crazy because, you know, they they want they want to pick up a book and kind of like know a little bit of what's going to happen. So if it's, you know, it's a Western book, then they know it's going to be Westerns. But, yeah, that's an excellent point because just regular, just randomly, random anthologies don't really do all that great. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you have a name, I guess, is one thing. But even like when you read you, – you go to like an anthology of – or a short story collection of Stephen King uh, stories. They mm-hmm. generally, you know, he's he's sticking to a theme. Well, he he's a he is predominantly a horror writer, mm-hmm. I guess you'd say. So a lot of his stuff is that. But but I mean, even he has a theme to his collections. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes they're centered around one big story, or mm-hmm. uh, but but there's a. Th- He's a bad example because he is he is almost almost exclusively a genre writer. Um, mm-hmm. But I I don't see short story. I mean I guess there are. I take that back. I do see short story collections from what I would consider mainstream straight writers mm-hmm. that are just kind of um, just collections. But these writers have uh, names for themselves and they can do that. Mm-hmm. And again, you, I don't know how well those books are are selling either. I don't know. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like there's no way of telling. I mean, I mean, when you look at like Amazon or any place for that matter, there's always like some books will be labeled as bestseller. And, you know, Amazon has its own criteria for doing that. And it's very confusing and very complex. And there's certain mm-hmm. tricks you can do. And, you know, it's also it becomes kind of like a publisher buzzword where, you know, I mean, both of us could be considered best selling. But when you ask about what and why, we kind of damn dance around it. But, um, you know, it's like and, you know, once again, it doesn't really mean anything. It just sometimes means that the person doing it has like spent an enormous amount of time marketing or pushing their work, you know, in other ways to get pushed up there. So it can Mm -hmm. definitely affect sales. But it's also I think sometimes it's a lot of work. Um, you know, try and get up there. And sometimes it's also just dumb luck. I mean, you get picked up yeah. on the right podcast, the right reviewer, and there you go. Um, right. But yeah, it's, it's, it's really kind of a, a big game. And that's the, that's the headache because, you know, to, to like do this, we've talked about this before. Um, there's like two, two different schools of this. I think the first one is like we're talking about for us, where you, you work on, you know, writing stories or novels and getting it out there and, pushing and pushing and pushing and being a social media maven and, you know, get it, hiring publicists and knowing how to, you know, play the Kindle game. Mm-hmm. And the other is kind of what we do, which is we love to write fiction and we always love, you know, love doing it more than anything. But it also opens up doors to things like nonfiction writing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, right. you know, you know, while I definitely would want our books to sell well, they're kind of more like marketing tools to get our name out there so we can either get other projects so it's kind of a different approach to it because I still remember getting right royalty checks and it's like double digits. It's like, oh boy, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think what you're talking about is something we and I, again we keep going back to this: how mm-hmm. writing is like every other business. Exactly. It, it, we're in the middle of a thing where, in this day and age, where things work synergistically, and mm-hmm. one thing leads to another in a lot of cases. So in our in our case, we have this podcast. We have our mm-hmm. books together. We have our books separately. We have mm-hmm. our teaching, um, whether we do it live or, or you know, on some sort of virtual platform. Um, we would also do lectures if we, if we were presented with that opportunity. And mm-hmm. uh, we would consult. We would do nonfiction. We would do fiction. So we're – and I don't think we're, we're obviously – 
better looking and more talented than most people. But that goes <laughs> without regardless of that, we're no different than anybody else. We're just trying to mm-hmm. uh, extend the tendrils as far as we can. So the opportunities come and not every opportunity is going to be mm-hmm. we're going to be able to do or, or take on or even worthwhile for us. But we just want to have as much out there floating out there that if something comes in that is interesting, oh, we could do that. Yeah, but that's part of that. Well, let's do that. You know, mm-hmm. and I think that what you're talking about is a, is kind of and I guess the word is synergistic. It's it's kind of bringing it all mm-hmm. in as much as you can. And exactly. Uh, we try to do that with like, like you said, there are times when the, I know you have said this, like, you know, we go to a convention and we will get like maybe 10 books printed for the convention each. And mm-hmm. it's almost like we don't sell the books all that much, but mm-hmm. we've, we've certainly given the books to the convention organizer because it was kind of like a, uh, like a resume. Hey, by the way, exactly. take the book. You know, I know I've, I've been there when we both have handed the book to somebody, you know, because mm-hmm. we were like, well, this is kind of the calling card, you know? Mm-hmm. So hoping that it will jump off in some other way, you know. Exactly, exactly. And that's the thing. It's like it's kind of like, a, like I said, a business card or a resume. And, yeah. you know, because rather than trying to like focus on selling the individual books, we're just focusing on once again the name out there. So like you said perfectly, it's branching out for other things. Right. So, you know, it's, it's very different approaches. I mean, I think, you know, because neither one of us, even though we are talking about how fabulous we are and, you yeah. know, our, you know we it's smell like peaches and, yeah. you know, we're just like, you know, the, the, the people are so fortunate to bask in our glory. I know. I, I um, can't believe it. I just I'm I'm uh, I envy you listening. That's how I always say it. And, you know? and <laughs> I do have to say that the offerings and the alms have been really down lately. So you guys have got to get out there and deliver because you don't want to displease. Um, but, you know, it's like we're both kind of shy. You know, I mean, you know, so, you know, it's like, I don't like, I mean, I have to, so I, you know, so I'm on social media talking about how fab I am, but I don't really like doing it. Um, You know, part of me just says, look, just, you know, give me gigs and writing assignments. That's all I want. Um, So it's hard to do publicity and marketing when you have that kind of mindset. So what we do kind of fits our, fits our style better because, you know, we don't have to stand up there on stage and say, how fabulous we are and, you know, get on Twitter all the time and say, you know, like, here's a, you know, you should be worshiping me. Um, so, you know, it's, it works for us. Let's put it that way. Um, yes, I wish my books would sell more, but at the same time, it's like how much work I'm really willing to put into it. And I've never wanted to be in a position and I don't want to speak for you, Ralphie. So definitely feel free to disagree, but I just want to be able to write what I want to write and not do, you know, not spend like all my days doing marketing and publicity. Oh, wow. um, so, you know, absolutely. No, I would I'm, always prefer to I'm, be doing writing. So, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I'm very comfortable in those situations where we have presented like a writing class specifically. We've done a lot of different kinds of classes. Mm-hmm. We've done tit torture. We've done uh, cupping for, for arousal. We've done, uh, oh, I, you know, impact play. We've done, you know, we've done a lot. But mm-hmm. um, and usually I'm usually the 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 ringmaster and, and and Chris is the doer. He's, he's definitely more knowledgeable and has a better, a sense of those things than I do. So we, we work off very well off each other for an hour and a half class, mm-hmm. but I'm most comfortable in our writing classes. And in those instances, we have had some, a lot of fun. In fact, the first class we ever taught together was in St. Louis, if you remember. And yes. I believe it, I believe it was a tit torture class and we were getting everything mm-hmm. together on uh, on the on the table or whatever they provided with us and mm-hmm. as we were like turning around and talking and getting things together i look at you and go chris there's a lot of fucking people in this room and there was a lot of, <laughs> there was a lot of fucking people in that room and I, and I remember one point we turned we both turned around and we're like holy shit there's a lot of people in this room you know and it was it was a, it, i mean it was amazing how many people were in that room mm-hmm. and I, and we were kind of like it was like, well, into the fire, into the fire, you know, out of the fire, into the frying pan or whatever it is, mm-hmm. out of the frying pan, into the fire. Either way, it was there was a lot of fire. And we we had a great time in that class. But, man, there was a lot of people in that class. There and, were. That was and, wonderful. But And so although I don't know if that's my that's my if I'm most comfortable in that arena, I'm probably more comfortable sitting down writing and being by myself like you are mm-hmm. or being in the studio putting a song together. But when it comes to performance, for want of a better word, I think we do step it up. I think we're we're mm-hmm. a, we're adept enough at that to do it well. I think, mm-hmm. you know, I don't I, I guess because we're comfortable with each other and we're comfortable with the material. 
Exactly. Yes, I completely agree. I think it's like, you know, it's it's funny because you're more, more of an extrovert than I am because you can actually perform, you know, and and do, you know, you know, performances both, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. as you know, musician and so forth. Um, I like doing it, too, but I have to I got to sort of like measure it out. So right. if yeah. I do a class with you or, I, you know, I'm doing something like that. It's I'm always have to, it takes like a, a day to recover because it's a lot yeah. of energy to go out there. But, you know, it's it's it, it's one of those things. Again, it's like, you know, that's part of that whole different direction in writing because some people really like that. So they do a lot of readings. They do a lot of performances, yeah. they do a lot of classes. And, you know, for us, it's one of those fun things to do, but it's not really the focus. No, um, it's something not. it's a, it's the cherry on top. Put it that way. Yes, absolutely. And it, yeah, it, it, it's kind of the result of hard work and hanging out and which is something we love to do anyway we you know Mm -hmm. and um it's like you know we've had this talk about this podcast as well to do this in front of people live somewhere would be a blast we'd have a great time Mm -hmm. doing it and we welcome the opportunity but first and foremost it's got to come from the work and the work has got to be there so you have to have Mm -hmm. the thing first you have to have the podcast you have to have the book you have to have known Mm -hmm. how to write you have to have be able to play guitar sufficiently, you know, all those things before you can go out there and try to perform yes. for want of a better yes. term, you know? Exactly. Uh, and again, I think there's a way too much focus these days about when someone wants to be a writer, they automatically leap to the professional. It's like, there's a lot of work that has to take place before you can make that jump. Um, you know, then, and a lot of life experience too, because yeah. as we've talked about before, it's like, there's a lot of management, a lot of knowing how to talk to people, um, knowing when to fight and when not, um, that just only comes with experience. And, you know, while we've written a lot of really good books on how to, you know, do, you know, Ronica writing, there's a lot of that stuff that only can come from experience. So, you know, you just kind of like, uh, take your time, don't rush, don't think about the money when, when you're starting out, you know, don't think about agents, don't think about self-publishing, just write and, you know, do it a lot of it as much as possible. And also kind of like, I think it, it also kind of helps ground you a little bit, you know, so, you know, the, yeah. so when you do make that step, it's not quite so painful because it's going to be painful. I mean, getting yeah. rejected is never fun. Yeah. Yeah. And it's true, too, about, you know, life experience is really important, not just because, OK, the amount of, you know, you're a 22 year old as opposed to a 42 year old. You're probably your sexual experiences are probably mm-hmm. more as you get older and, and more diverse. Not always. But just generally speaking, maybe mm-hmm. you've tried a lot bit more, experimented more, or, you know, I don't know. But the point is that experience is a big thing when it comes to anything. And I always think mm-hmm. this because I get a constant uh, barrage of, oh, look at this 11-year-old kid play play guitar. Mm-hmm. And the kid's, the kid's a prodigy. He's fantastic, right? I mean, he mm-hmm. has great skills and um, dexterity. But... I'm always left wanting because there's no there's no there there. He hasn't lived mm-hmm. long enough to be giving mm-hmm. me any kind of I don't want to say soul because I don't believe in that. But and mm-hmm. you know he hasn't lived long enough, so I don't know if you're going to mm-hmm. be able to deliver for me um, what I need at as my mm-hmm. age um, just through dexterity alone mm-hmm. and skill. You have to have life experience, and that's true of everything across the, the board. You know, mm-hmm. and I think you're right. And that, that's one of the big things with writing, especially writing erotica. You have to have lived the life a little bit. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. I mean, exactly. You know, yeah, you have to have that kind of dimension in there. I mean, it's funny because like, you know, one of the biggest misnomers I think about erotica is people think it's formulaic. Now, yeah. agreed, certain places do want a certain thing. And like, for instance, if you're writing for an anthology, they're going to reject you if you don't deliver what they what they want. Yes. Um Thinking of it as being a formula is going to get you shot down faster than anything else because right. it's never that. In fact, um, you and you and I both have had the experience where you know, we will get you know good feedback or get a story accepted because we're doing something that's different. In other words, not focusing necessarily on the mechanics, but focusing on the emotions or you know making the story you know bittersweet rather than always happy ending kind of things or even making it horror or something similar you know mm-hmm. so you know mixing it up and having fun with the writing process and making it your own will actually serve you better than trying to like okay i have to write exactly to this thing and exactly in this way and the sex comes at the end and you have to include every sex act mm-hmm. you know and you have to go into pages and pages of description it's like again it depends on the market but 
by and large, those, that kind of formulaic thinking, it's not going to fly. I agree. I agree. And I think, and it's, it, and again, you know, this is, this is what we talk about all the, the, the demystification of it. You know, this mm-hmm. is, this is what Chris is talking about. It is the nuts and bolts of doing it. It's not mm-hmm. waiting for the muse to come and tickle your taint and, oh, uh, no. and, and get you there. Cause you, you you're going to be waiting a long time, you know, mm-hmm. um, or thinking, you know, just because I do it, it's wonderful. And somebody's going to want it. And that's another, Oh yes. Another mistake. That's another yeah. biggie. Yeah, that's right. another just, biggie. Just oh I, yes, just because because just because I I happen to to open my mouth or or put things to paper, mm-hmm. it, it's it's already gold. <laughs> exactly, know? exactly. It's like yeah. oh, fantastic. It's like oh, give me a break. I mean, yeah, right. it's like everybody gets rejected. That's part of the game, and you do know you don't know. Sometimes you know, but sometimes you have no clue why you got rejected. Right, right. And right. you know, a lot of it can do with all kinds of different factors, but it is kind of part of the job, and it's. It's not fun, not by a long shot, but it is like again part of the job. I mean, yeah. you know, it's it's it happens. I would I do wish writers would be more open about how much of a pain in the ass being a writer can be because right. you know because writers are liars. That's our job. I mean, you know, we're professional hoodwinkers that so we can convince yeah. you that we're something we're not is what fiction is all about. So sometimes when writers talk about what it is like being a writer, you know, professionally. They don't like to talk about the bad stuff because right. one, it makes you know, and one, it makes them look like they're whiny. Two, they want to talk about how wonderful they are because that's how you make yourself feel better. Yeah. But the reality is that everybody gets rejected. Everybody has really dark times. Everybody has agents that don't call them back or don't have agents or publishers who drop them or get bad reviews and then you don't sleep well for weeks because of the bad review on Amazon mm-hmm. and it's just and you you feel you you have imposter syndrome or you 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 cry yourself to sleep every night that's the reality of being a writer i mean mm-hmm. and and you don't know why things happen i mean you know it's like you rarely get any kind of feedback from something i mean you know, if you get a story published they'll often say why they like it but right no one really ha- takes the time to tell you why they didn't. So you have right. no clue what you did wrong. Right. And it can be simply everything from nepotism, you know, to, yeah. you know, they don't like the character names you used or something right. like that. It's very frustrating. It is. And I think, again, that's the reality. That's what we've been talking about here on, on this show. Mm-hmm. We are in Licking Non Vanilla and we're almost at the end. But we have been talking about the reality of writing and uh, a little bit about the reality of writing erotica, but about the reality of writing, which we were hoping would um would prompt you to explore the reality of of what you do no matter what it is whether mm-hmm. it's writing or whatever it is because i think um there are realities good and, and there's good and bad in, in every pursuit we try mm-hmm. rejection and and uh long lonely nights where you doubt yourself and there's also high triumphs you know um so we we hope that most of your your times are taken up with high triumphs um of course but uh, as always, Chris, it's been a it's been a, a a hoot and a half being with you, and doing a show with you, another show with you. It's been wonderful, always wonderful, always fantastic. Looking forward to the next one for sure. Absolutely. Well, we thank you very much. This is Ralph Greco Jr. and that's M. Christian. Oh, sorry, <laughs> he forgot his name there for a second. Anyway, Ralph Greco Jr. and and M. Christian. Right, and this is licking non vanilla. We'll see you next time, kids. Take it easy. Thank you, Chris. Bye-bye. Take care. And visit us on the web at www.lickingnonvanilla.com.